I can hear you thinking to yourself, is this going to be another one of those episodes where he drones on and on and on about some dead ancient game? Yes. Yes, it is. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. In this episode, episode 22... I speak with Chris Lopez and Tom Grove about the Bring Out Your Lead Old Hammer event. As always, the Veteran War Gamer is brought to you by King's Hobbies and Games. King's Hobbies and Games is your premier provider of premium painting and modeling products for the discerning gamer. You know, I could go on and on, and I have gone on and on about the products that that Tim offers at kingshibesandgames.com, and... I really haven't touched much on the 3D printed products he has, but if you want to talk about cutting edge of current military technology, Tim has it. I mean, within the last couple months, there have been some photos and videos coming out of uh, not just Russia, but also Syria of some vehicles that the Russian security forces and Russian uh, special forces are using in both those countries. And guess what? Tim either has them coming or has already printed them and they're available for purchase now. So so if you're the type of guy or gal that likes the super ultra hyper modern stuff, then Tim's definitely your guy. You should take a look on the Facebook page of the MH6 little bird that Tim has produced. It's it's a thing of beauty and it it really needs to be seen to be believed. So Head on over to kingshobbiesandgames.com. That's kingshobbiesandgames.com. Facebook group URL is in the show notes. Uh, Check out what Tim has. I cannot recommend his products and his service enough. He's, He's one of the good ones, so check it out. When we return, my conversation with Chris and Tom. And we are back. Uh, I am joined by Chris Lopez and Tom Grove, who recently went to the Bring Out Your Lead Old Hammer event in the UK. Uh, guys, how you doing? Doing good. Pretty good. Thanks for having us here. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad to have you guys on the show because we get to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that's Old Hammer. For new listeners, if you haven't listened to the episode I recorded with Andrew Dyer, that's episode three, we talked at length about Old Hammer and what it is, and we might cover some of that same ground here because we've got different guests, but uh, I really recommend you go and listen to that episode that I recorded with Andrew. I actually listened to it uh, recently myself since I'm gearing up for an Old Hammer event with Tom, and... uh, here in the next couple weeks but in the meantime chris tom i'm going to ask the question that i ask all of my guests the first time they're on and that is what makes you a veteran wargamer well uh for me i've been around wargaming pretty much my whole life so i guess i'm probably a 30-year veteran of wargaming (laughs) uh my dad got me into it uh as a kid he played a lot of 15 millimeter napoleonic and uh civil war so I've been around it pretty much through him. Uh, he started letting me paint when I was a kid and stuff like that. And then uh, Old Hammer-wise, uh, when I was in sixth grade, I saw White Dwarf 150, 
it's got the uh, the big corn champion on the horse and uh, once I saw that I was pretty much hooked living out here in the middle of cornfields though in Illinois uh, there does not a lot of opponents or anybody that I can play so I just kind of painted stuff and then uh, I stumbled on some blogs here oh four or five years ago uh, talking about old hammer and playing stuff from the 80s and stuff like that and uh, I started get, getting into that and from there it just kind of snowballed and uh, now I'm going over to England and playing war games with people over there and things like that so mm -hmm. that's pretty much my background I guess okay and Chris so I uh, you know I played D&D &D in middle school and uh a friend of mine had like a white dwarf in uh, in class, and that kind of got me hooked into Rogue Trader and and the whole Games Workshop thing. I guess I'm not a a real war gamer because I've only mostly played Games Workshop uh, products. Um, you know, all the historical guys out there will know what I'm talking about. But uh, I did kind of get into historical games in college, um, but I always keep going back to that same copy of Rogue Trader just hooked on it so yeah. but pretty much uh, yeah like been rolling dice for like 30 years mm -hmm. alright and as far as Old Hammer is concerned what uh, what forces do you guys collect Tom uh, I play Chaos in Warhammer Fantasy uh, I that's what most of my battle reports and stuff on my blogs about okay. and then uh Chris just got me going on orcs last year for Rogue Traders, so I got about 40 to 50 orcs, and then I also have some Rogue Traders and some Chaos and stuff like that, but nothing, just small squads here and there. Okay. Chris? So, yeah, for me, uh, I have uh, too much stuff. Uh, for Warhammer Fantasy, I've got, uh, yeah, I have a Dark Elf Army, um... A little bit of a chaos force going on, uh, some orcs, and then my real problem is the rogue trader. I've got uh, space marines, um, you know, like space pirates. That that really cool like pirates and adventurers range. Um, oh, I'm I'm very uh, familiar. Very they're the familiar best. They're yeah. the best. Um, Gene Stealer cult and some random chaos stuff. Some squats. Pretty much everything. Uh, I even managed to get some Eldar, even though I hate them. I got like a whole, <laughs> almost the whole line of them, and I'm like, I have a problem. So, they, yeah. they did pretty good and bring out your lead. So. Yeah, they did. They did a good. They, they had a good showing. <laughs> yeah, one of one of the things, one of my favorite things from the Rogue Trader era was White Dwarf 127. I think is 127 and 128 when they released the Craft World Eldar list mm -hmm. and the the sketches and design work that Jess Goodwin did on those on the Eldar Guardians and in the Aspect Warriors was just phenomenal and it really I don't I I could and I will okay I'll I'll go ahead and say it. that is the pinnacle of Warhammer 40,000 design to my mind. The well for one thing having the entire range designed by one person helped. And there's a 
there's like a, a cohesive theme to those models that I don't think they've been able to achieve since. And it's, I could go on and on and on about it. My absolute favorite uh, Rogue Trader stuff, aside from the aside from the uh, Pirates and Adventurers, because you can tell that those were designed by a, a variety of different people. But my favorite of all time are the Mark Copplestone Imperial Guardsmen, the metal with plastic arms and the all plastic Imperial Guardsmen. Oh yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, they're, that's they're good great. Stuff right there. Yeah, there, there's just something about uh, a force in the amazing year 40,000 plus where your NCOs, specialists, and officers are wearing <laughs> metal breastplates and crested helmets. <laughs> but, you know, the... Uh, you know, I talk about the aesthetics of, of Old Hammer and really being a large part of the appeal, but I guess we should really stop talking about my involvement in Old Hammer and talk about <laughs> your involvement with Old Hammer. Now, Tom, you've Let got me... a blog. What's that? You've got a blog, right? Yep. And that's uh, Give Him Lead. Yep. Now, what's the what's the address for that? Uh, give me once. I think it's givemlead.blogspot.com. If you okay. just Google Give Him Lead, it's like the it pops up. <laughs> it's the yeah, first one. Give Him Lead, Nigel Stillman, and that'll bring it up too. So. As always, any URLs that we mention are going to be in the show notes, so never fear. I've got, I mean, in, in addition to the Veteran Wargamer blog, I do have an older blog that I've, I don't want to say abandoned, I just don't post to anymore because I've got the Veteran Wargamer blog now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've also got my, my own Longbows to Lasers blog as well. And I, I think that's really where, and you can hear more about that in the episode with Andrew, that's really where Old Hammer started, is various blog posts and blogs dedicated to the ethos and the aesthetic of Old Hammer. Oh, for uh, when sure. Did you, when did you start coming across those uh, Old Hammer I'd blogs? Say, I, I think it was probably 2011, 2012 for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I just started noticing, I'd search for stuff chaos mainly and then i started seeing these old minis that i'd never seen as a kid and i was like click on them and i was like holy smokes and there's this whole movement and uh i was like this is something i want to be a part of so i found i found the forum and then i found the blogs and started following and from there my blog started and blog blogs pretty much i think still move the movement uh i know people try to talk about the forum and Facebook and stuff like that, but I still think the heart and soul of the movement is the bloggers. It's funny, um, people are always like, oh, when did you get into Old Hammer? Like, you know, when I was nine. Um, <laughs> because, you know... I, when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I never I never stopped, like, collecting that stuff. Yeah. I just... And I forget how I found the community, because I was... You know, like I mentioned before, I was playing the current versions of Warhammer, and then I got into like that pre-heresy modeling thing. And what we, you know, what you would see on the forum there was like people were using, you know, Rogue Trader era models and stuff for their pre-heresy games. This is before Forge World released all the the shiny new. Um, it was probably like ten years ago, but before they released all the the current Horus Heresy stuff, but. 
somehow I like stumbled into the Oralhammer forum and, you know, found everyone's blogs from there. And then it really, I think it kind of took off for me anyways, after the first U.S. Oldhammer Day in uh, in Baltimore. Yeah. Which was probably like three, three years ago. That's where I met Tom. That's where okay. I met everyone. I mean, uh, I didn't know anybody in the community until that. What I find fascinating about it is that there are these events that are solely dedicated to old hammer and they're being held in game shops and in in like hotel conference rooms mm-hmm. and m- most recently with bring out your lead at you know at foundry's headquarters for crying out loud but there's there are these events that are popping up and uh we can talk about i hesitate to call it an event because it's just you and me to get, getting together with <laughs> maybe a couple other guys yeah but I guess might as well. I mean, I've talked about doing a T-shirt for us, so I guess it makes it an. Oh, absolutely! Now. If you have a T-shirt, it's official. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in the states, you know, if you get like five or six people together, you've that's that's officially an event. I mean, yeah, it's just hard. Everyone's schedules and and the geography, it's just hard to get yeah. anyone together at all. I'm just glad I don't have to drive ten hours to play. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're what, like forty five minutes from Springfield. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it'll take me probably about an hour and a half because there, there's not a good way for me to get there, but it'll take okay. me about an hour and a half. So it's not too far, but it's better. It's better than driving ten hours to the East Coast to play with yeah. my friends. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're. Well, I'll just touch on it briefly, and we'll talk about it later. Tom and I uh, at the beginning, well, during Labor Day weekend, we're going to get together at a game store in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, he's an hour and a half east. I'm an hour and a half west. And we're just going to meet in the middle, and uh, we're going to have an old hammery good time in the very den of New Hammer apostasy. Because well, my, uh, <laughs> my orcs are going to slaughter everything in sight. So. <laughs> Even the war machine stuff. Everything. <laughs> but uh, more on that later. But in the meantime, um, so bring out your lead. Uh, was held well at the time of recording. It was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, and if you were paying attention to the old hammer Facebook groups, uh, guys were posting pictures and videos and uh, descriptions of the games going on and whatnot. Uh, if you would talk us through your uh, your bring out your lead experience from you know the genesis of going over. Uh, you guys actually kind of went together mm-hmm. and. Uh, with your uh, significant others, it looked like. Yep. And uh, so you, I guess you just started planning for it. How, lo- how long ago did you start planning for it? Well, Bring Out Your Lead's been going on for, what, five years now, I think? So pretty much from when it started, I, I started getting the idea that I would go over there at some point. And then uh, I, I, me and... Chris talked about it on vacation. I I think we pretty much slow planned it about three started planning three years ago, and we just it culminated okay. into this year, where we uh, tricked our wives into going over there with us just to play war games. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll need right. to uh, I'll need to get uh, some notes on your tricks on how to get make that happen. So I'll, I'll he's being modest. All right <laughs> after after. After the first U.S. Old Hammer Day, um, we were just chatting back and forth, like on Facebook and stuff. And you know, he, Tom and I got along really well. We have a common background. We we're both in the army, um, 
so we hit it off really well and he's like dude we need to go to we need to go to bring out your lead i'm like yeah absolutely but we have wives he's like i know (laughs) we'll just make them best friends and then (laughs) we'll sell it as you laugh (laughs) right but watch so we'll make them best friends and we'll we'll sell it to them as a vacation to Europe, which happens to have some gaming in it. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So it worked. Um, and so we go on this trip, and this is the first time. So Tom and I, at this point, we've probably met in person like four or five times. You know, I've been to his house. Um, we've been to various events together. This is the first time our wife's met in the airport in Dulles. We're flying to London, and we're just kind of like, I really hope they get along. And <laughs> by the end of the trip, it was a, they were good friends. So, yeah, they're yeah, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, she's my new best friend. It, it worked, and this is his. It was like, he just hatched this crazy idea, and I was like, yeah, whatever, cool, I'll go along. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it worked. So kudos to Tom. I've I've got a little bit of an advantage here because my brother uh, to who's been on the show before numerous times, his wife and my wife get along really well, and we've traveled together on vacations before. So this might be an angle I can take. There you go. It, it makes things so, so much easier. Yeah. So I <laughs> just need to make sure that they understand that, you know, we won't necessarily talk about either Bring Out Your Lead or Salute or Joy of Six or some other show going over, you know, going on in the UK at the time. <laughs> oh, wow, what a coincidence. There's this extremely well-known and famous No Way I Could Have Missed It gaming convention going on while we're in Britain. How go. weird. There you go. We should check it out. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> so... <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I'll have to file that away and make sure my wife never hears this episode. Anyhow. There's plenty of stuff to do in Newark and Nottingham for uh, the significant others, so they definitely kept themselves busy for the weekend. Yeah. Well, it helps that my wife and sister-in-law both enjoy similar hobbies, so that'll help. That'll help. But anyway, now you're planning for Bring Out Your Lead... Did that include planning for any games? Did you run any games, or was it pickup, or uh, were you just planning on playing whatever was there? They have, they kind of have a schedule, so you basically like get on the website and you say what table you're going to be playing on. And uh, we planned on uh, meeting up with a couple more bloggers while we were over there, and. Uh, they had organized a couple games. We played an Eternal Champions game uh, on Saturday morning, and then Sunday morning was a uh, basically drop what you got Rogue Trader game. And those were both run by the same guy, uh, Whiskey Priest, which is uh, I think it's the Lead Pile blog spot. And then uh, me and uh, Garth James or Weasel from Warhammer for Adults. Uh, we played a third edition game Sunday afternoon. But other than that, that's all I got to do. I was visiting with people more all weekend. I didn't game as much near as much as I thought I was going to. But right. uh, those three games were great. I can't complain about them at all. All right, Chris. Yeah, I mean the only uh, so you know chatting with some of the the bloggers that are over there in the UK and Europe, um, we had planned on. You know, playing in that Eternal Champion game, 
And by planning, I mean I brought two figures, and I had no idea what we were going to do. So, <laughs> I mean, everyone's that's what you know. It's you should expect it by now, but everyone kind of has the same mentality. It's very casual. Um, just kind of this. Is what we're kind of going to do this, and everyone just has a good time. You know, it's like-minded people and. That Rogue Trader game he mentioned, by the way, that was not planned. Um, that was just a bunch of us standing around a table, um, and they're like, what do you got, what do you got, what do you got? And everybody just kind of listed off, and we just made sides and played a game. Um, and it went really well. We had a lot of fun, and there wasn't even a, a you know, wasn't even a GM or anything to, to guide the game. We just kind of, everyone just jumped in and had a good time. Yeah, and that, that speaks to... You know, one of the big differences in the older, the older versions of Warhammer, both fantasy and 40k, because now, you know, if you take a look at Eighth Edition, and don't get me wrong, I, the one game I've played so far, I did enjoy, and I think that the book that they've produced is probably the most visually striking Warhammer book I've seen yet. Um, that being said. There's an awful lot of, even with, you know, even though they don't have full-blown codexes yet, there's an awful lot of the meta present oh, yeah. in the game. And for good or ill, you know, that's, you know, there's a significant portion of, of the hobby that has taken to the meta. And I, I gotta say that's probably... You know, you could probably trace that back to the inception of Magic the Gathering. Because Magic the Gathering is very much a meta game. Where, you know, your force selection is... Or your deck selection is, is crucial to your success. And looking for those synergies and adapting them and applying them in the appropriate fashion. And it's continued with War Machine and Hordes and now with Warhammer and uh, 40,000 and Warhammer uh, Age of Sigmar that's not a good thing or a bad thing it's just how you know that's just the state of the game and, and if you take a look at your rogue trader book you know it's not there you know the meta didn't exist the story is what existed then absolutely you know and it's and again it's not a bad thing or a good thing either way it's just a different avenue and I guess if you're having fun that's great but I don't think that it's what I want to achieve in a game. It's funny you bring up Magic the Gathering. So, uh, this goes back a couple of years. Somebody's got some <laughs> Tom, opinions. Tom, Tom's laughing. <laughs> so, um, um, when... So, I'm kind of a social media instigator. Um, a few years ago, I was bored at Thanksgiving, and I'm like, well, I'll go on the, this Facebook page, and I'll, I'll make a poll. And I was like, all right, war fantasy wargaming was better before Magic the Gathering came out, yes or no? You know, Ooh. and then it started this huge, <laughs> huge fight. But then I just looked at all the people that said, yes, it was better before. I'm like, these are the people I want to game with right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of these guys, they could go make their army lists over there. These guys just want to have a story and roll dice and have fun. And uh, that was it was good. Uh, it was a good time, and it was a good time watching the uh, the drama unfold. Yeah, you pretty much blew up, you blew up the old Hammer Facebook page for uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> single handedly. 
Single hands. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, there's, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with playing in a competitive fashion if that's what you like. You know? Right, yeah. But, I'm not trying to knock it. I'm not trying oh, to knock yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys too. Oh, no. Yeah, I just. Oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. It's just yeah. I definitely <laughs> no, like. It's uh, diff- you know, it's- I like playing in my corner, having my fun with story games and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with that. It's just not what I want to do. Yeah, it's a different mindset you know, and, and for I, sure, and it, and it clashes. Yeah. It clashes a lot. There's constant Facebook fights about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're diverging somewhat from. Well, not well, really. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Like, this is this is ninety percent of old hammer. Like playing yeah. the same games, so there we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's the crux. It, it is the crux of the matter. It's you know, do you want to play? You know, do you have a problem with someone bringing everything to the table and maybe? You know, it's. I mean, we could go on and on and on about points lists. You know. If, if you look at them as a rough guide to figure out eh, generally roughly equivalent forces, great. If you think that, you know, if I have a thousand points of something and you have a thousand points of something, we each have an equal chance of, of winning the game, not a chance in hell. You know, it's that's not the case at all. I mean, not Warhammer related at all, but I remember a game that I played uh, with a friend of mine of Dirtside, the game from... Uh, Ground Zero games using six millimeter sci-fi forces. Well, I spent a lot of time crafting a force and getting the points right and, and this, that, and the other. And then my opponent brought a force of nothing but vertical takeoff and landing craft. You know, helicopters mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. Well, I had taken absolutely no air defense weapons. None. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> make for a fun <laughs> afternoon, it sounds like. <laughs> No, it was not a fun afternoon at all. And that, you know, that showed me right then and there that there's no such thing as as an equal fight, quote-unquote, with a points list, unless you take, you know, the exact same symmetrical force. And that that's side. what was amazing about that Rogue Trader game we played on the Sunday of the event. Uh, there was, that game had everything. There, there was flyers... The flyer got taken out on the first turn by a luck shot from a missile launcher. We had a what was an orc walker that was just going around stomping things. There were tanks. <laughs> there, my force. I had no ranged weapons. I was just chaos guys going forward trying to get in hand to hand combat. And it's just games like that are few and far between. I mean, that game we threw together but it was it was amazing and it had everything it had all the elements that rogue trader you know that the old hammer movement you know encompasses it it was just there was so much fun stuff in one game and nobody knew what points we had nobody cared who we were playing or we had a you know a light objective that you know everyone just pretty much did whatever they felt like doing and as the uh as the game unfolded and it was you know yeah. games like that that's that's where it's at so for me anyway now was that was that the orc walker that was definitely inspired by the hell's reach section from the rogue trader yes. book is that yes. the one you're talking that, about and that was uh, oh man that thing's beautiful that was mr papa Focus from uh 
What is his blog? I think I think uh, Mr. Papafakis' blog spot or yeah, something like something that. Something like that. So, and we, we, yeah. we actually got, that's his real that's his real name by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then we uh, yeah. we hung out. We hung out with him in London, you know, a couple days after that, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Hell's Reach table I'm talking about. I've I've mentioned the Hell's Reach spread on this show before and on and on various blogs that I've written in the past. This Hell's Reach table is something to behold. One of the attendees to bring out your lead did a flyby video of the entire table and it's posted on the Veteran Wargamer Facebook page. I'll have a URL uh, in the show notes. It's you you got to see it to believe it. It's really outstanding. It's the when I saw that video, I immediately went to the Facebook group for my annual gaming weekend group. I said, "Okay, I know what we're what we're gonna aim for in the future," because that is uh, just so good. Uh, but speaking of that, what for you guys? What was your what was the highlight as far as the models and the tables were concerned? Um, that Hell's Reach table was what's cool about that table is we got to play on it and uh, the guy who put it on Curtis Fell uh, he's a great guy really friendly um, but yeah he was I mean we met him once right at the beginning and he remembered my name the whole time and kept inviting me back to the table to play games so uh, I think the highlight was I got to play in his uh, he put on a jet bike race uh-huh. through Hell's Reach and it was just it was insanity um <laughs> You know, rules for, you know, going too fast and losing control and blowing up. And, and what was great was, you know, all that all that uh, terrain and all the, the models that were like the civilians and stuff just stayed on the table. And they had set it up so that you just would move your models along this just amazing table. Um, yeah. So that was, I think, one of my first... And getting to actually blow up that Orc Walker in that Rogue Trader game, that was another yeah, good one. Yeah, that was pretty amazing, um, yeah. It hurt me to do it, yeah. But it hurt me a little bit, well, every, but it was still cool. That was your last. <laughs> that was your only Eldar left, and everybody that's my, got it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my last model left on the table. I'm like, well, I've got a las cannon, and there's a walker. I'll shoot it. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and every everybody's oh, so everybody's table was great. Everybody's miniatures were great, but you know. You're you're at Foundry and you get to see Brian Ansel's collection. You know that that is amazing as well. Just you see all these figures in the uh, rule books and White Dwarfs and just pour over them and try to get your figures to look like that. But till you see them in person, mm-hmm. the 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 extra detail you see right in front of your eyes it just pales in comparison. It's so much better than you know looking at them from the rule books and stuff once once you see them there right in front of you it's just amazing so yeah yeah i just you know i kept taking a look at as the weekend progressed i just kept looking at the at the old hammer facebook group and just shaking my head in amazement at some of the things that folks had brought um one of the actually something that really inspired me was uh, a walker that was based off of looks like a an eight or nine inch tall Buzz Lightyear figure. Yeah, yeah, that thing was amazing. Uh, yeah. I had a little pilot sitting in there, and what's cool is 
<laughs> I mean, everybody's stuff is painted really, really well, and you don't see that. If you walk into a you know a game store nowadays, it's like one guy may have something painted, and the rest of them are just kind of you know plastic or primed and stuff. Right. Um, you know, granted, we're old and we've had the benefit of more time, but still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. You'd mentioned that you had an Eldar for that one game. What? Uh, well, Chris, you said you brought two figures, right? Um, so I brought two figures for the Eternal Champion game. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, which I was going to paint up. I had some Melonbonium. I can't even say that word. Whatever. Um, I had read, like, one Moorcock book ever. Um, so I don't really know a lot of the Elric lore. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I had, like, a blister of some of these, you know, Melonbonians or whatever that later became High Elves. And I was going to paint one of those, and I was just running short on time, so I just brought my Dark Elf General and, uh, you know, random Marauder guy to be his henchman. Um, but then I bought, I brought over um, a squad of um, Eldar, you know, the Space Pirate miniatures from the Rogue Trader rulebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I didn't want to really bring too much, because I didn't want to have to haul that all over the place. Um, right. And it was, it was just... I didn't, you know, you're always worried about going through security with a box full of metal figures and, right. you know, what's going to happen. But I got through without having to get checked. I got um, Tom looked like he got pulled. Yeah. He had like a, it looked like a pipe bomb <laughs> in the x-ray what he had. So they definitely, they pulled him over, you know, aside. <laughs> so Tom, what, what did you I, uh, take with I you? I brought over my chaos my Chaos Champions, Black Vaskin, if if you've seen my blog, that's pretty much all my comic reports are about. Uh, so I brought him over and uh, with his huge uh, Manticore Snarf and then uh, for the Eternal Champion game. And then I had my Rogue Trader with uh, his Chaos Retinue for uh, the 40k games. And then uh, I had a small two-unit Chaos Army for a third edition, so I, I knew I was gonna I knew I was gonna play some games. I just didn't know which you know when and where and who. But I uh, I made it all happen. and I got all the figures out on the table. So, but uh, yeah, I cool. uh, I got stopped cool. at every check, and I had I got laughed at when they found out what everything was. So <laughs> yeah, Th thanks TSA. So. <laughs> So you met actually, according looking at your blog, uh, you got to meet the man himself, Nigel Stillman. Absolutely, that was quite the uh, quite the highlight there. So, uh, yeah, I've been we've been. Uh, he doesn't get on, he doesn't email or get on the internet that much, and it was just by chance. Uh, I tracked him down through some back channels. And uh, we started emailing back and forth, and that's pretty much what I did all last year uh, for my interview. I would send off an email, and then I wouldn't know when I would get a reply. Usually it was about two and a half to three weeks. So we pretty much did that all last year, and I told him I was coming over, and he said he'd be out to the event, and uh, pretty much as soon as he got there, he, uh, he found out where I was and came over, and uh, we talked throughout the weekend I probably throughout the weekend I, I'm guessing we talked oh two or three hours worth and uh, it was it was pretty sweet we uh we just 
talked. There was never a dead spot in the conversation. We talked about archaeology and, mm -hmm. you know, the early days of uh, Games Workshop. And he uh, he brought out his Brentonian army and uh, his Mad Ma his post-apoc Mad Max type army, which he uh, uh, yeah. self-sculpted and scratch-built. It was uh it was pretty cool. We uh yeah. you know kind of kind of my hero in Old Hammer and then uh we finally meet up and get to leave the weekend. I think we parted as friends, you know. Uh he uh mm -hmm. he he made a point to say goodbye and everything and said uh he'd be emailing me back and forth when he gets a chance. So it's pretty cool. So. Cool. Cool. That was uh really cool to watch by the way. I mean, I think there was like a genuine rapport there, which was just neat to see. You like, it was hilarious just watching. Right. Um, so he has like this. Nigel Stillman had this like Bronze Age helmet mm -hmm. um, because he used to do. You know, when he was Tom knows more than I do, but it, he was a reenactor because he's a historian, and he shows up on the second day and he's got this. He like had this helmet on and he just makes a beeline for Tom. To show him this thing, and it was just—it was a great moment. I was like, "Wow, this yeah. is cool!" Just to stand here and watch. So I think that's one of those cool things about Boyle is that you like—we don't have access to those people here in the states. So, you know, just to see all those guys that are like behind everything uh, right. was cool. You know, I, you know, I had a little fanboy moment when uh, Rick Priestley showed up and I got him to sign my Rogue Trader book. Yeah, um, that was pretty fun. To and watch. I just like. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, I was like, Hi. I was. Tur I turned into a. Com oh yeah, I looked like a complete idiot. I didn't know what to say to him. I was like, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a uh, sounds like just great moment after great moment after great moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I would. I mean, you know, the whole trip. Um, Whenever people go on vacation, someone always comes back with some kind of horror story. And I think, you know, we just, everything went really smoothly. Um, and I think the the best part of that whole, you know, the, the boil portion of the trip was getting to meet everyone in the community finally. Uh -huh. um, so those guys that, uh, you know, you, that are, that are, you're always on their blogs and stuff. I mean, obviously we chat with some of them, but some of them we just know. So there's a uh, there's a pub in Newark, which is you know where everyone kind of stays when they go to Boyle. It's you know foundries right outside of Newark, and uh, so there's a pub called the Organ Grinder. It's kind of become a tradition that everyone kind of goes there um, mm -hmm. after gaming, and uh, you know the first night. So you know we'd been up at this point for like thirty hours because it was the first day and we traveled, yeah. but we're in there having a, you know. Uh, Kudos to Garth um, for be kind of being our guide, you know, kind of you know shuttling us around. Yeah. We didn't know where anything was. Garth was James pointing us in the right direction. So I mean, is, Garth James, yeah. he pretty much puts on this whole event by himself. Uh, Foundry hosts it, but Garth James or Weasel Warhammer for Adults Blogspot, uh, he pretty much is the man behind the event and. Uh, not only did he put that on, but showed us such a good time. So, continue on, Chris. Mm -hmm. Sorry for yeah. And he was no, you're good. That was no, that you that was good. Because um, Garth definitely doesn't take any credit. Um, he's a very humble guy. Um, but I think like um, a lot of the you know the mechanics of Boyle, the actual event wouldn't happen if he didn't put in that effort, and he does it 
because he just loves to do it. Um, yeah. He's got a job like everyone else, so he does it on mm -hmm. the side. And um, So huge shout-out to him. Um, but, yeah, he showed us around. He was shuttling some other guys around, but, you know, finally getting to meet everyone. I mean, what's funny is we're sitting there in the pub, and then um, Ernie, um, I forget his uh, real name, but Ernie's, uh, he's got a blog spot, a blog also. Um, but he always puts on Orktober contests. Um, he okay. walks in, and he just, like, shouts our forum handles at us. <laughs> and he was just, that guy was an amazing human being. And we just kind of chatted with him all night and, and drank a few beers with him. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and it was just a good environment to be in. Cool. Now, Bring Out Your Lead was not the only thing you guys did in the UK. Did you happen to take in Warhammer World? Yeah. We did. We did. So we, we got straight to Bugman's and had a few pints since everybody was back there that we were meeting up over there. So we had a few pints in Bugman's and then... Uh, you want to, why don't you tell them about the museum, Lopez? Um, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, I'm definitely the bigger, like, current Warhammer fanboy than Tom. Like, I still have, like, I mostly just do Forge World stuff now. So there's a Forge World store there in Warhammer World. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to go and, and buy some stuff there, which is cool. Bugman's was really cool. The food was all right. Um, the atmosphere was really good. Um the museum was really cool. Um, it's ticketed, uh, but it's definitely worth it. Um, you have a lot of stuff, and, and you, you can see the pictures we posted online, and I think they're mm -hmm. on Tom's blog as well. Um, some of the early releases are in there, um, and it just goes up to, you know, the, the, the museum is just kind of a timeline of Games Workshop stuff, yeah. and there's so much stuff in there. Like, you could just get lost in there, um, snapping pictures. The best, I think, the biggest highlight are the uh, the the dioramas and the the scenic tables they have set up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can tell like you, you know they haven't really lost that narrative aspect of the hobby. I think people just don't don't take part in that as much as as we do. Right. Um, but all those dioramas were incredible. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed about Eighth Edition is. 8th edition 40k that is and I and also uh, Age of Sigmar is they really are pushing that narrative and open play aspect more than they have since you know Warhammer 3rd or 40k Rogue Trader and I that's one of the reasons why I'm why I'm coming back to them to be honest with you you know it seems like there's definitely there was definitely a concerted effort to get the old hands, the old timers, to take notice. And for me, what made me first take notice was Gene Steeler Colts coming back. You know that that caught my attention. And then when they said what they're going to do with the Armageddon Shadow War, that made me take notice again. And then when they said, "Yeah, we're doing narrative and open play with Eighth Edition," that that. That got my attention and turned it into interest at that point. So I'm glad they haven't lost that. I'm glad that they are putting that out in front of folks. And I'm hoping to see some more of that with the, and even with the 8th stuff, 8th edition stuff. I'm not a huge fan of the current aesthetic, but, you know, that's not going to stop me from playing 8th edition games with my Rogue Trader and 2nd edition forces, you know, for 40k. No. Uh, 
I, I just gotta mention real briefly that tinkling you hear in the back either Chris is painting has been painting this entire time or he's mixing martinis I'm not sure which uh, both <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah I'm a, I'm a I'm addicted to paint so that's cool yeah I'm actually cool. put, I'm painting the the bring out your lead figure um, Olivia yeah which is uh, really it's based on the artwork in the Richard Roll book and it's yeah fun to paint yeah so. if, if you're not familiar well if you haven't seen the figure yet but you are familiar with Rogue Trader there is a full page panel of a female Imperial Army soldier with a bolt pistol in one hand and a severed head in the other and that's what this figure is based off of and it's the sculpt is actually absolutely gorgeous and there some guys have posted some painted examples already and it's just a tremendous figure really really cool but um, but back to your adventures in the UK you guys also went to the legendary London game shop the Orcs Nest I saw yes yeah yeah Lope, that Lope, was uh, Lope has dragged me along so. <laughs> yeah cuz uh, yeah I did I did uh, so that was on the day we went to the uh, the British Museum it's uh, also known as the Hall of Stolen Things um, <laughs> If you're ever in London, you should go, and it's literally everything they've stolen from everything when they had, when they were an empire. If you want to see what ancient, um, Egypt and <laughs> ancient Greece look like, you can see it in the middle of London. So, yeah, it's it's really cool. But after about two hours, there's only so many walls and and clay pots you can look at um, yeah. before you want to get out of there. Um, but it is really cool. Um, there's a, they have a lot of walls in yeah. there. Um, <laughs> so, um, walking distance from there, um, was, uh, so we, uh, Tom mentioned we hung out with, uh, um, uh, Mr. Papafakis. Erasmus Papafakis. Yeah. yeah. That's his real name. The yeah. guy who made the orc walker. He was, uh, he's from, um, he lives in Thailand. He's an Aussie. Um, but he was there, um, for Boyle. That guy, check it out. That guy's a mad scientist. Um, You're not old hammer. Yeah. Um, but he mentioned there was an old, there's a really old um, paint shop right around the block. And I was like, well, Orcs Nest is right around there too. So we checked out that um, the paint shop's called L. Cornelison and Sons. And they used to make their own pigments. And, and it was just kind of a really cool um shop our wives had a good time in there because it just kind of looked like one of those shops from harry potter yeah and uh they're huge harry potter fans and they you know they're like this is incredible um and then we went to orcs nest which was everyone <laughs> was telling us like it's really small it's really small i'm like i don't care i just want to go to the orcs nest because i want to say i was there and it is it is pretty small it's just a shop um i got a t-shirt and a mug there but that was cool just to it's kind of like a like a pilgrimage almost. Sure, sure, sure. So, absolutely. So, um, did you guys get to see any more sites like the Imperial War Museum or Bovington Tank Museum or anything like that? Yep, we went uh, to the Imperial War Museum, which was uh, has an exceptional World War One display. Uh, everything else is kind of not so much, but if if you want to see some World War One uh, displays, that's the place to go. Uh, and we got our wives drug us out to Stonehenge. Uh, we kind of we were fighting that one, but I'm glad we went out. It it was actually pretty cool. 
and uh, yeah, so that was a fun experience as well. And then, uh, what else did we do, Lopez? <laughs> we, we saw everything. Uh, so we did, yeah, we did a Big lot. Big um, Square. We. Uh, what's the? Uh, what's where everyone gets married? The Abbey. Oh, Westminster. We yeah, had Westminster yeah. Abbey. We went to. We saw the changing of the guard at uh, Buckingham Palace. Um. I mean, we there's and we we could have done more too. We just kind of we shoved a lot after walking around London for yeah yeah we did do a lot. Um. But yeah, I mean, you could go with your family and not run out of stuff to do. Oh sure. Um, and you know we could actually have stayed instead of you know spending. The, London was sort of a, kind of one of those things we did as a concession uh, for the wives like. Okay, we drag we drug you to Boyle. Now we'll take you to London, and you get to do stuff there. They actually and prefer, they they liked they um, prefer Nottingham over London. So we should when we go over. You yeah, know, we'll probably the, stay up there more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, London's yeah. It was uh you know, there's more of the English countryside stuff going on in the Newark, you know, region. There's we didn't get to see it, but if we go. Well, when we go next time, I definitely want to check out the uh, English Civil War Museum is is there in Newark, so okay, um, we'll check that out. Um, but yeah, a lot of history. It was just really cool to. Um, our hotel was across the street from one of the oldest, you know, pubs in London. Um, um, gosh, I can't remember who. There's like a plaque for who sat there, and I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, Dickens sat there, and I was like, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just a really, it was neat to go and see these, you know, go into these buildings, like, ah, oh, this is older than my country. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's said that in in the United States, 100 years is, is a long time, and in the UK, 100 miles is a long distance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> They were a little. They were a little. I think the when we were talking about the distances we have to travel to, mm-hmm. you know, game with other old hammer guys here in the states, it's just kind of. I don't want to say it's shocking to them, but it's just it's just a lot. Yeah, because you yeah. know, a two-hour drive is a lot there were guys over there. Like thirty miles away that didn't make it. They they just couldn't bring themselves to come to bring out your lead. And like, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, when I go to an event here in the states, it's usually on the east coast, and I drive ten hours. So like, <laughs> yeah. And we drove all the way from London on the wrong side of the road and almost died several times. They, like, <laughs> we made it, and like these guys, these guys couldn't make it thirty miles. So it's it's different. Whenever I hear yeah. about. Whenever I hear about Americans talk driving in England, I'm always reminded of the character Otto in <laughs> in a fish called Wanda. Oh my God! <laughs> Asshole! <Wow. laughs> That's uh, yeah, that was me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, so we left. We flew out of Dulles at like six or seven p.m. Uh-huh. and then you know we fly over. Get the get the rental car and then drive three hours. So I don't know how long we'd been awake at that point, but that was a, probably that's the first time I'd driven on on that other side. Yeah, you what? That was at about twenty hours when we got the car. 
Yeah. So I've been awake for a little bit, and uh, and I'm just trying to adapt to being on the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a that was a fun experience. Yeah. By the second day, I was doing much better. Though, We're all so. still okay. alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All's yeah. well. It ends well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, before we wrap up, I, I know I talked briefly about it, but, uh, Tom, you and I kind of, when we started talking about this episode, we also started talking about, well, we talked months ago about getting together to do some gaming. Yep. And just haven't. But going back and forth uh, to figure out this episode, we got our heads together to do, you know, just get together, like I said earlier, at a game shop in Springfield and play some Rogue Trader. And so what we're going to do is we are going to put on the Battle at the Farm scenario from the Rogue Trader book. And uh, I'm taking care of the terrain and bringing the Marines, the Space Marines, the 16 beleaguered Crimson Fists, led by Chapter Commander Pedro Cantor, and the fell forces of the Orcs are uh, are going to be courtesy of Mr. Grove. So they're they're going to uh, win. They're going to win. So. They don't win. Oh often. yeah, the Crimson Both Fists are going to win. win absolutely. Oh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, my brother's actually traveling back from Disney World that day. He said if we're still at the shop late enough, he might drop in and say hi. And I've got some other. There's some other low-grade old hammer aficionados in the Springfield area that I know of that uh, we could probably get them to come say hi at the very least. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and uh, before we started recording, we were we were talking about it. And at first I hesitated to call it an event, but I was reminded that since I'm making a T-shirt, it's official. It's, it's definitely an event, so... Coming soon to Springfield, Illinois, is going to be Cornhammer, Old Hammer in the Midwest. Yes. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's right, folks. In the grim darkness of Central Illinois, there is only Old Hammer and corn. <laughs> and well, and soybeans. They're soybeans. That too. But but Soy Hammer doesn't have the same zing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's uh, I'm really looking forward to that. If you've if you've been following on Twitter and Facebook, I have been working on getting getting my beakies together. Uh, Sixteen plastic RTB zero one Space Marine figures. Uh, been trying to scramble to get some uh, get some decals. I've got them sourced. I just need to. I'm actually also getting some other old hammer figures with that trade, so that's how it always it's goes. For me there. You always get more than you yeah. <laughs> that's how it starts. Well, there's the the lot that I'm getting's got the, of course, it's got the decals plus two of the Mark Copplestone Imperial Guardsmen, which I absolutely love, plus an Imperial Army figure, uh, plus a Space Marine. Scout sniper, which yeah, I could, I'll give it to my brother because he, he does the third edition, yeah. uh, Space Marines, and then a, a rattling sniper, a second edition rattling sniper. So, he'll be a welcome addition to my second edition Imperial Guard force. Nice. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping to get as much of the terrain, if not exactly like the book, then very similar to the book, 
and uh are we yeah, are we gonna have the hill in the orchard farther away from the farm or are we gonna have it like the picture where it's right up on on top of the farm well, that's, that's negotiable there's two ways we can do it so well there's more than two ways we can do we'll it. we'll have but... plenty of time we can do both yeah why not what the heck so yeah the the uh if you go far enough back in my uh, Facebook and Twitter feed, I talked about some stuff that I picked up at Joanne Fabric um, from the fake flower department. And uh, my kids and I cut up the the fake flowers and put them on bases with some air-drying clay. Made the bases mm-hmm. out of uh, one-inch fender washers with the uh, air-drying clay and just stuck the little flower pieces in. So now I need to get my little uh, my terrain grots back down here in the basement to to finish painting the bases to and putting some flock on them so we're gonna have uh there you go get them busy that's right we're gonna have a very very alien looking orchard like we should so yeah yes it's it's gonna be good i'm really looking forward to it actually uh what two no three weeks time from tomorrow because that's uh, September 3rd. It'll be here before we know it. Yeah, I know. I know. I've got to get these Marines finished, uh, finished getting them cleaned up, and then get them painted. So I'm really looking forward to it. So, guys, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, this is one of the best things about this hobby in general is finding like-minded folks, uh, in our case, from across the U.S., uh, not just with Old Hammer, but with the gaming hobby in, in general. So, uh, again, guys, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll have. Uh, I'm sure we'll have something on our blogs about about Corn Hammer at some point. Oh, for sure. I'll, there, there will be a comic report. Oh, that's good. what I do. <laughs> Excellent. So, on that note, folks. As always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold, 2017. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Discussion on the blog at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com. Music courtesy of bensound.com.